you know, what if, what if it's just good and, and non-essential? You know, it's just good and non-essential. Like, like all sorts of things are good mm-hmm. and non-essential. I, I wonder how much of this ties into um, this kind of weird spiritual FOMO uh, where we are so convinced that if there's anything good that we miss out on, our life won't be worth living. Because I may be fully sexual, but never have sexual intercourse. Mm-hmm. The thought that... Um, there's a good unessential thing and by not participating in it I would be miserable Um, I think that's part of what Christians want to stand against welcome to the hope project on this podcast we talk about matters of sex sexuality relationships shame and so much more the goal of this podcast is always to bring hope to your sexuality and freedom from any unhealthy views you may have been taught growing up And if you've enjoyed what this project is aspiring to do, then there are a couple ways you can support us. First, you can leave a review on the channel. This helps us stay relevant to the audiences we are trying to reach. Second, you can go to our Patreon and see how to support us financially. We are so grateful to all the people who have supported us and continue to support us on this project. This episode is a part of Season 2. If you haven't had a chance to listen to the trailer for Season 2, I recommend you do that now before listening to this episode. On today's episode, we have Dr. Matt Jensen joining us again. If you haven't listened to part one of this conversation, I recommend you do that now. We released it last week, and this is going to be picking up right where that one left off, talking about what it means to be truly, fully single and truly, fully sexual. I'm so excited for you guys to hear more from him, and I'm so excited for the deep conversations it may pose in your own life about what it means to be sexual and about what it means to be single. Let's dive on in. So... Moving from that, uh, let's think about celibacy mm-hmm. um, because that is something I think that's been lost in the modern church. The Catholics yeah, still, yeah. I think, have like a good, pretty good view of celibacy, but the Protestant church, for the most part, has kind of lost uh, the beauty of celibacy. But how do we navigate kind of in Paul in, in 1 Corinthians 7, he talks about like, unless you're kind of given the gift of celibacy, mm-hmm. don't pursue it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I think we took that and said, well, I don't have it, so I have to get married. Um, so yeah. how do we, in a sense, recapture celibacy, but also recapture singleness like yeah, is singleness yeah. a possibility or is it only marriage or celibacy is marriage or celibacy your only two options when you say singleness there are you talking about like someone who is temporarily celibate but isn't aiming is, is you know would is still open to maybe would yeah. like to be married at some point yeah i mean not even that they'd like to it's just that i it's not that they've been called to a lifelong they're not saying i know that i'm yeah exactly well, that's i mean that's been my story exactly um, that's why that's why i want to ask you yeah yeah so um I'm always a little suspicion, suspicious when people speak confidently of a calling or a gifting, mm-hmm. um, particularly the calling language. It kind of, it's 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 not in the Bible as much as people think it is. Mm-hmm. It refers first to our calling to Christ, not mm-hmm. calling to a particular station, and it's hard to discern. But I, I, I don't but think I that means the there's no calling. gifts inventory, and it told me my calling That's and right. gifts are this. That's so right. how dare you? Way to go! How dare you? I've taken those, and I've actually found them helpful. Yeah, um, yeah they are. But I think they become conversation stoppers. Well, I'm not called to X or Y, and I'm yeah, like, okay. I'm not called to do like serving, so I'm not going to help set up a chair. Right. I was right. called to teaching, so right. unless if you need a teacher, and and not really like teaching oh, kids, gosh. but only like don't even get adults. me started. Don't even get me started. <laughs> there's also a vow of obedience in the Catholic faith for monastics. <laughs> um, yeah, so so I think, um, and I would imagine that could shift too. There have been times in my life, I don't think I've ever had a time where I had a confident sense that I was called to or would be single for life. Mm-hmm. Um, but there definitely have been times when I have been more content in it, 
when I've seen the good and been even glad to be single. Um, so that so that there's some something is about just kind of spiritual seasons. Um, where are you at? There there are times of there are times where I think we're more contented and times where we're more discontented and. Mm-hmm. Um, and that could be for a lot of reasons, even in terms of the spirits working. Um, there's also a developmental thing. So I think it's really important for single people, even if they are going to get married, to learn how, as Paul says, to be uh, sort of content in little and want and to mm-hmm. learn the ways of spiritual contentment in singleness. Um, so I, th- I think it's a good goal for every single person to get to the place or to want to get to the place where they could imagine themselves being single for life. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think that means most of us are going to be, but where we can, because when we can imagine it, it means that we've done the hard work to see the ways in which this is a plausible life for a Christian to live, Mm -hmm. where we've learned how to imagine that God might be present in the midst of that kind of a life Mm -hmm. and not see it as a life full of despair. Um, so maybe let's let's get to like a heart thing, like yeah. more of a feelings based yeah. experience. So, for instance, I was home with my family like a month ago, mm-hmm. and I was like telling my mom like these very things is what I'm wrestling with. Like yeah. I'm like I'm not I'm not called to celibacy, mom, but like I'm trying to see what it means to be just be fully single in love with Jesus and fully mm-hmm. sexual. And I'm like, so I can't promise you kids, like biological yeah. oh, kids. Yeah. And she's like, Colton, I love you no matter what, but I could see tears in her eyes because. Like, even for her, like, she's going to love me regardless because she's an awesome woman. But her kind of expectations or her mm-hmm. wants is for mm-hmm. me to have kids and a wife. Yeah. And if I don't have that because of her fundal- fundamental way of viewing the world or living, and for her, it's like I'm losing something and she's, like, mourning for me. Yeah. And so it's yeah. like, what have you done oh, in terms yeah. of, like, what That's has it really been like? Fun. What has it been like to, to be a single man, 43, and your parents, like, probably had the expectation that you were going to grow up and have kids yeah. have a spouse yeah. by now yeah um and so like what it what has that experience been like and what kind of hope and peace maybe could you offer other singles in the yeah. same spot that's nice that's a nice way to put it too because you're doing i think even in your description a better job than i've often done to empathize with the parents or the would-be grandparents mm-hmm. um, i've too often i mean i i felt the need to do this rightly or wrongly but i've too often got gotten defensive well, um, I mean, I'm describing it probably much better. That's right. That's right. <laughs> there is a little bit of a halo on your head. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that, yeah, there is some kind of, um, I mean, it's hard to fight back against the, you're only a grown up and you're only really happy if you're married mm-hmm. thing. Um, and so I've had to fight against that even sometimes uh, with my parents. And I, mean, I remember a time when my mom uh, said, uh, well, I, I said something like, um, no, no, she said, when you get married. And I said, if I get married. Yeah, I and did she the, said, I did the exact same Oh, yeah, and she's mom. like, that's really hard for me when you say that. And what helped in that moment was I said, Mom, for some reason she was thinking, like, maybe I didn't want to get married. I said, Mom, you know, I've wanted to get married my whole life. Mm-hmm. It's not about wanting, but but I don't want to live like my life is only going to be worth it if I'm married. Mm-hmm. And so that's where kind of when I push back on the when, it's because I don't want to see that as the only plausible future. Mm-hmm. I think that helped a little bit. Do you have siblings? To, I do. So so what's married? what's interesting for us is I'm 43, my sister's 40, we're both single for mm-hmm. really different reasons. Mm-hmm. Um for me it's you know like oh I'll go I'll come back to that. For her it's because she went through a really hard divorce. Um and they weren't able to have kids. So we're in the situation where two kids uh two adult children in their 40s uh neither of them uh with children 
And I think that's it's, it has been painful. And we have to yeah. kind of give space, again, better than I've done, but give space to the sadness of what it means for grandparents. Well, yeah, your parents are facing the mortality of, like, my line ends here. Yeah, and they love kids. Yeah. You know, I think they – now. and one of the things that I've loved a ton about how they've gotten creative, and I don't think it was – just this kind of linear like because of this i'm going to do this but they've they've got dogs that they've really <laughs> really grown to love mm-hmm. they invited a couple in who are about eight years older than me who are just awesome but didn't didn't make a ton of money and um they were friends from church and so they live with my parents now wow and there's a good chance they'll be caretakers at some point yeah um and so what's been really beautiful about that is the house is full of life yeah um, even though it's totally not what they were thinking and still not what they would hope. Yeah. Um, so I think, I think that piece, has but that's been... like the, in a sense they've gotten, that's the Christian vision that Jesus talks about. Yeah, totally. That's like those two people that moved in. It's like spiritually, they are their daughters, sisters, brothers, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Like they have, they have their grandkids. Totally. It's just the kids you are ministering to at college. Like yeah. in some ways those are their spiritual grandkids. It's just not biological, but yeah they can have the same kind of significance in their lives. It's just not what they yeah. thought it was going to look like. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's kind of disrupting the narrative that they had going on. And it's been life-giving for tons of people. I mean, what's cool about it is like it's made economic sense, mm-hmm. for both my parents and the couple that lives with them. It's it's relieving to me and my sister because, frankly, if my, my parents get <laughs> ill, yeah. um, then you have the question of like, what does it mean for one of us as a single person yeah. Um, me with a really demanding job and my sister in more of a kind of gig economy kind of thing where she's moving around a lot, what would it look like for us to care for our parents? Mm-hmm. So I love that they're in place there. And it's, it's there's some really unfortunate ways where we've asked the nuclear family to, to do everything in a way that it could never do. Mm-hmm. And so this kind of thing kind of opens up mm-hmm. um, to them. Uh, which well, is so really, I, really so I have I have two older siblings. They mm-hmm. both are mm-hmm. married, mm-hmm. which is they both got married at my age right now. Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, so you know I'm like right at the age, and now they both have two kids each. Wow. Um, so in some ways that put like that used to put pressure on me. I felt like mm-hmm. where it's like I have to get married by 24. If I'm not married, then I'm it's a sense of failure because I'm behind them. Yeah. Yeah. But now since I passed 24, I'm like okay, I'm already kind of a failure, quote unquote. But it's kind of nice because. My parents are so consumed with their four grandchildren that yeah, live right near yeah, them yeah. that the pressure in some ways is kind of off on me. And so when I told them that I'm like, hey, I don't know if I'm going to have biological kids, not that I don't want them, yeah. but just that I don't, you know, it's a it's a gift and a calling, you know, quote unquote calling, you know, however we're going to use it, that I may just not ever get. And, but that doesn't mean that it's any lesson. I'm not going to have, I'm going to have spiritual kids and spiritual family. And they, it helped them both, I think. Like we want that for you, mm-hmm. but it was more of like I'm mourning the loss for you rather than mourning the loss of mm-hmm. me not having grant because they haven't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so in some ways, it's actually helped in my journey of just like, hey, we got four grandchildren. Like yeah. we want yeah. it for you, but in some ways, we're good. Yeah. <laughs> and and I think too, like sometimes in our defensiveness as single people, we can we can so want to carve out a space for ourselves that we say something like <laughs> it's not a loss for me it's not a i don't need a wife i don't need kids i'm too i'm strong i'm a strong yeah, man yeah but i mean i think so i i would want to say two things one is i've got like seven or eight god kids and mm-hmm. i love them and i've got just tons of i mean people that call me uncle people that i'm i'm family to them mm-hmm. um they are precious to me and it's sad that i don't have kids of my own mm-hmm. um and there are times when that kind of really um the kind of longing for that and the sadness about it is a big deal. And, mm-hmm. and those don't, 
those can sit side by side. And same with marriage. I mean, we can love the friends in our life, love the depth we can go, love all the things that singleness affords, and also genuinely be saddened mm-hmm. um, that uh, that we don't have a spouse. Mm-hmm. This is random, but it's about sexuality. Got it. And it just it just occurred to me. I will take um, it. One of so this is a random thing, and it, it feels like a little funny to say, because it's how do you say it in in the right way? So so first of all, for single people. You gotta not just hang out with single people, <laughs> particularly as you get older. I'm 43. My peers have kids in high school ish. Mm-hmm. Some in college, some younger. Um, that's what my peers are. My peers are not single people by and large. There are a few, but and so it's actually is way weirder to me to hang out with a bunch of single people mm-hmm. than it is to hang out with families, because I'm 43. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that, in in a funny way, I think that it has affirmed my me as a man. And me as a sexual being has been explicit affirmations by women who are friends of mine who are married. Like I was going to say my friends' wives, but they're usually my friends mm-hmm. who are married also to my friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, maybe it's something like I get dumped by a girl or someone doesn't really want to go out with me. And when when a woman will say something like, man, but you are you are so you're such a good guy. Like you I can't are believe. so hot. Well, but <laughs> like even I don't think I've heard quite that. But you know, maybe it's like you're a cat or you're yeah. Yeah, you're like yeah. you're such a good looking. You're such a. Um, I think sometimes part of the purity culture is we're so afraid of that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I have not experienced it as an invitation to like pure prurient interest in this woman. Mm-hmm. I've experienced it as sisterly affirmation of me as a man mm-hmm. in a way that their husband couldn't do. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember when a friend of mine, um, who just a good old friend and she emailed me one day and I, I think I had expressed like a, in a pretty lonely time. And, and she said, you know, Matt, she's like, I just, I love you. And she said, I, I almost didn't say that. Cause I, I was like, am I, and I was like, forget it. Like, it's true. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, just, I love you so much. And mm-hmm. when I've had, um, no, I'm sure there's going to be people out there who are sketchy and would take advantage of that, but like. That's not what we do, right? We're, mm-hmm. we're Christian folks. So mm-hmm. when that happens to me, I just think, oh, I've just been seen and affirmed as a man, mm-hmm. um, as someone who is desirable, not because this friend of mine lusts after me, yeah, but because they have seen there there's something in me that would attract someone. And there's something about the opposite sexness of that mm-hmm. um, that I think has been really good for me as, mm-hmm. a, as a single and sexual person. So uh, I've been wanting to ask this question. Say there's a married couple listening to this right now. Mm-hmm. How can they reach out to their single friends? How can they incorporate them in their lives? I know stories mm-hmm. of kind of married couples who have taken a single in to live with them and saying, hey, we want you to like help parent our child. Mm-hmm. And like oh, yeah. those expressions of like spiritual family to me are like so like warming to my oh, heart where yeah. I'm just like, man, that is the church. Like. Hey, you haven't been called maybe to marriage. I don't like using the word calling. You haven't That's okay. Just because I yeah. dogged it. It's, no, but I cool. also, <laughs> I hate it because it's like, I was called into this. And because it makes it feel like they're better because they yeah. were called and God didn't call you. It's like, you yeah. didn't get a phone call. Or how about just like, you're not married. Yeah. They just, because they're not married. And then it's like, yeah. Hey, just because you're not married doesn't mean you have any less parenting advice for us. Doesn't mean you have any mm-hmm. less life advice for kids. Like we want your voice yeah. in our kids' lives. And that affirmation, because that's like, you have the romantic affirmation they can give you mm-hmm. like that you're worth dating. Mm-hmm. But then it's also, Hey, you're worth being a parent. Yeah. And even yeah. though you don't have kids of your own, we're going to let you have kids Yeah, in a sense. So like, what would your advice be to married couples? How do they navigate this? Well, how do they reach out? 
Um, I'm sure you have plenty of experience because your friends have done that for yeah. you. Yeah. And I think one thing I would say is, well, I think I'd say be practical um, and do what you can do. Like, don't mm-hmm. try to, I mean, so in one sense, sometimes in these kind of conversations, there'll be visions of like, we're going to live together. We're going to do everything mm-hmm. together. And um, <laughs> we're going to start a commune. I mean, I remember even just a really good friendship. And one time I said, oh, could we do weekly dinner? And they just weren't up for it. Mm-hmm. And it hurt. Mm-hmm. Not because they were doing something wrong, but because I felt the need for it at that point and mm-hmm. they weren't able to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but better you're upfront about what you can do and have all the cards on the table and the expectations so yeah. there's not resentment. Yeah. But I would say I would say to a married couple, you know, maybe start small and see where it goes. Be willing to do something that maybe seems a little odd or non-traditional, um, but also just do within what feels kind of doable mm-hmm. to you. So I mean, things that have been good for me. Um, I th- let me think of a few. So I have a couple few families where when they do a family thing. I'm implicitly part of it. Hmm. Um, that means a ton. Yeah. Um, that means a ton because it, it says you're not you're not just a good friend, and you're not just a friend of say the dad, which is what it usually is, mm-hmm. but you're you're part of our family. So just that you know, uh, a guy named Paul Spears who teaches in Tory and directs uh, Tory, his kids when I was part of a summer trip with them and spent a lot of time with the kids at the end of the trip they said very seriously they said. Um, Uncle Matt, or no, they said, Mr. Matt, we have decided to promote you <laughs> to Uncle Matt, <laughs> which was, it was sweet, but you know, that was yeah. what they had to give. And, and the thing is they still call me Uncle Matt and they're Tory students at Biola now. Wow. Um, and so there was something official about that, about the way they started mm-hmm. to refer to me. Um, and I remember similarly, and there's lots of stories with the Spears family. I'm part of their family gatherings every time. But um, like, you know, one, one night I remember Paul was praying for the meal and saying, Lord, thank you for my family. And thank you. Thank you that Matt can be here. And his daughter, Lexi, who's, who's got a little bit of spine in her stopped him and said, um, dad, don't you mean like uncle Matt is family. Yeah. <laughs> just, he like, already, put him in he already thanks for him. Like, yeah. But even did. getting the grammar like that yeah. was such a big deal. Yeah. Um, but also ways that, um, so Ian, when he, you know, when he was getting older and started liking girls, would start to call me and talk to me about girls. Yeah. Not because his parents couldn't talk to him about anything, but they were his parents. Yeah. Um, and if I was his parents, I'd be so thrilled about that. Totally. So the worst thing that that a couple can do is see a single person as a competitor. Mm-hmm. Um, that is the worst thing. That now I think it's, it is complicated sometimes. Um, but I think relatively mature single people are going to be oh so aware of family dynamics and want mm-hmm. to do everything to support that mm-hmm. um so I, I that's i'm going in wanting to support that if someone it's not is, like you're trying to go in and snatch a kid for your own yeah, like yeah. you're if trying someone, to like come alongside exactly if someone sees me as a competitor for their their kids love or their spouse's love yeah. that's i mean i can sniff that a mile away and that's mm-hmm. going to immediately very possibly permanently sever Mm-hmm. Um, some some kind of the trust at that level, mm-hmm. um, but but yeah, th- helping out. I've got another friend who lost his wife um, in a horrible accident about a dozen years ago, um, and went through. I kind of walked with him. So that's the other thing. We were already good friends, um, and he had a family, twins, 
but then all of a sudden he was a single father of one son mm-hmm. because his his other twin died too so pe- people think that they're going to once they get married they're going to have a nuclear family for life but there there's divorce there's widowing there mm-hmm. i mean there's so many things that come so all of a sudden he and i are both single guys trying to figure out mm-hmm. and he's a single dad and i'm sort of close to he and his son mm-hmm. all the way through and then he meets a woman at church and then they start getting serious and now his son is kind of junior high-ish and facing the prospect of all of a sudden having a stepmom and all this stuff and my buddy just said wait would you meet with him would you just just talk with him and kind of help him process and because mm-hmm. he knew that he needed someone to talk to and that we had already had the process with your dad in that in that kind of context it's gonna be really yeah, hard it's good yeah totally yeah. um and so we had a couple, I mean, we've had some of the sweetest times. And, you know, so one night we just, you know, we got some food and we played video games and <laughs> we started talking about the prospect of, yeah. of a stepmom and, mm-hmm. and I was kind of, you know, what are, you, what are you scared about? And he just had normal, normal having mm-hmm. someone else in the house stuff. And I, and I thought, I said, well, yeah, that's possible. And I said, have you thought about some of the good stuff that? It was a classic. He looked like Sherlock Holmes. He kind of put his finger <laughs> to his to his head and it sounded like a little man. And he said, I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> and so we started talked about some of the good stuff. But yeah, to be invited into those kinds of things. Um, mm-hmm. I wonder if sometimes people think that is burdensome. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's, it's not your role. To me, every time it has felt like the highest gift of trust and friendship mm-hmm. and invitation in. Yeah. Um, it's been like it's wonderful. Well, for instance, the thing that honestly has been the hardest for me with my friends getting married is that when they were dating, so I was like living with some guys, and then when they were dating their girlfriends or engaged to them, I felt much more connected to the girls because oh, they'd be coming over, mm-hmm. and so like they'd ask me questions, and I, mm-hmm. so there was more like we were doing life. But now that my my boys have moved in with their wives, mm-hmm. I feel like my connection with them is completely severed. With both of them? With or? the girls. Oh, yeah. Because. Has, have they gone to like, now I'm in wife mode and now yeah. I, I can't be too good of friends with yeah. guys? Or? I mean, I, I mean, I don't think explicitly because they know okay. that's not like the way, but it, it, right. I think in some ways it's like, well, they're just, they were only intentional because they were there to see their, their boyfriend. Mm. I mean, that's mm-hmm. the lie you want to believe because yeah. now yeah. They, they don't have, now you don't have conversations with them when they're just over at the house hanging yeah. out with their fiance. And so it's been really hard for me to figure out, okay. How do I like recapture? Because it was like, like you were saying, they're both my friends. Right. They started dating, got engaged, got married, but now I'm just friends with the dude. It feels uh, like, and yeah. so it's like, how do you navigate that? One is a single person not wanting to be too aggressive <laughs> and being like, right, right. let's go out for breakfast or yeah, let's yeah. do this. Uh, but at the same time, like, no, I valued your friendship and I know yeah. you valued mine. Yeah. But we both, because of cultural Christianity, don't know how to transition into the marital role. I mean, my, my guy friends don't even know how to transition to the marital right. role. They're like, right. I got to be with my wife six nights of the week. I can maybe give you one night, mm-hmm. maybe. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, really? Like one, yeah. like, but even yeah. the one night it's hard. It's like, okay, once a month I can come over and hang out. And it's like, yeah, but, but, but to interrupt real quick. Yeah. That's total BS. Yeah. No, that I'm is, with you. <laughs> I know. I know you know that, but I just know other people listening in. That is not in the Bible. That is, that is like this. That is, well, the, the philosophy is, is that they had mentors tell them, hey, your first year of marriage, don't take on ministry. Try to like limit friendships. Just pour into your marriage. Oh, okay. So <laughs> I mean, I would just say to those mentors. Now, yeah. I, so I like the thought of taking it easy the first year. Of course. Having 
extra time Having to really boundaries. invest. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So boundaries are good. And mm-hmm. even taking that as like my focus is your mm-hmm. is investing in putting down really good roots and really good habits. Mm-hmm. But the thought that that would be exclusive to yeah. or sideline friendships is like completely misses the point. Antithetical like, because I think you need worst. you need your friendships to actually love your wife better. Oh, yeah. Now, if I was like a kid they were mentoring, of course, maybe yeah, you, you've yeah. got that, like someone you're serving. But like for me, it's always been troubling seeing married couples. It's just like, well, she's my community now. And I'm like, that's true. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's I'm with you. That's just such BS. But it's like, how do you get them to show them the value and like having other friends, especially how do you get married people to see the value in having single friends? Because a lot of them will be yeah. like, okay, I'm not going to sideline friendships because I need community, but they're just not going to understand like what I'm going through as a married couple. So I'm only going to hang out with other married couples. Yeah. And I know yeah. my single friends, like they, that's like, not for me because married couples normally let me in because I do counseling and stuff. Mm-hmm. But like my single friends who don't feel like they have that kind of voice feel like Wait, when you say could you do like you yourself you go to a counselor or you i go to a counselor but also i'm studying counseling and like, so they let you in because they think that you you've got some kind of insight i i know what it's like to be married even though i'm not okay. compared to the other single friends they yeah. don't yeah. and so for them it feels like i don't have a place like to to speak into their lives anymore to like yeah. be they're only going to go to their other married friends right so like i guess the question is for you how have you and the married couple friends you have worked through because I think that's mm-hmm. not necessarily inherent, but it's something culturally they picked up. Yeah, because it's BS. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, that's not biblical, but it's in very much enriched and deep in our culture. So, like, how have you guys navigated the reality of, like, we're yeah. going to do this, but at the same time, like, here's how we do it? That's a good question. You know, I don't know. I can't think of, like, really explicit times where, like, I've, I've engaged in just that question with people. Mm-hmm. But I recognize the the narrative yeah entirely. the narrative underneath it yeah and i you know i think there has to be so so let's start with the single person what can what can i do as a single person yeah i can start on our end yeah how can we be a better I, friend i, I think them? we can be transparent and i think that's a huge piece um i emailed a bunch of my old students recently and um really just kind of wondering what's up with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought at the end, oh, I should tell them a little bit what's up with me. <laughs> yeah. And I was, you know, doing the typical like, you know, hey, I've been teaching this many years. I've got a book coming out. Mm-hmm. And I just threw one line in there that says, yeah, and I've run into clinical anxiety in the last number of years and it has really sucked. But I've mm-hmm. also learned a ton, you know. Mm-hmm. Because, because partly to invite transparency, um, but also because I was like, I don't want to just give you the, the greatest hits. And mm-hmm. I mean, so I think a huge thing we can do is mm-hmm. we can open up about ourselves mm-hmm. and we can just, and we can. Well, singles, I think are so scared of voicing their needs because they're afraid they're going to get rejected because that's what's happened in the past. So you're scared yeah. of even saying, Hey, I've struggled with anxiety. I need you guys to be my friends like in this season. Cause yeah. they're, they're just so scared. Yeah. Well, yeah. see the crazy thing is you're not running out of the booth right now. Yeah. So it actually sometimes will actually worse work. I mean, my guess is someone in their first year of marriage, um, They've got tons of needs. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't think there's any substitute for for leading with vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think that, that so often um, elicits vulnerability in return. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I think that's the one of the first things I would think about um, about doing. And, and good question asking, you know, and a, and a willingness to sort of ask questions like – open-ended questions that are that don't presume too much mm-hmm. so you know i might say something like i could imagine saying something like 
um, man, I, I, you know, and, and we, you could even play dumb, you know, <laughs> like, Hey, I, I don't have a clue what it's like to be marrying, mm-hmm. but I know what it's like to have major transitions. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you guys are really into each other and everything, but all of a sudden you're together all the time. And mm-hmm. what's that like? Is that, mm-hmm. I mean, is that hard or like, what's good about it? What, what's, you know, so that kind of, mm-hmm. I have, I have one buddy, stuff. I have one buddy that we were living in a house of nine guys uh-huh. with like personality differences, you know, some mental illness. <laughs> so I asked him that question and he said, honestly, like there's some hard parts, but it's so much easier. Than yeah, guys. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah. but I'm like, that's valid. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but, so, but I mean, that's, you're getting a piece there too. Yeah. You know, yeah. and it could be that, that you get a you know, from, from a wife say that you're trying to connect again with more. Mm-hmm. And you know, if she, maybe, maybe she comes and says, you know what, there was so much, um, relational strife in the apartment I lived in with three other women. And mm-hmm. one of the things I like is, you know, one of the things I like is I love to be married to a guy and you guys aren't, aren't high drama at all. And, yeah. and then maybe I come back and say, ah, that's a bit of a stereotype. Let me yeah. tell you about my drama. Yeah. You know, like even if we are high drama, it's just one instead yeah. of three. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> so it's a lot easier. But I, be, I think that, I think that piece is worth it. And, and I think it's okay to sometimes just be, have the conversation where you say, mm-hmm. I kind of miss, I miss getting to talk to you too. I feel like, and maybe this is just what, people tend to do culturally like the mm-hmm. dudes hang together and the ladies hang together but mm-hmm. you know i really enjoyed when you would come over and we would you know we would mm-hmm. talk and yeah you know even just kind of expressing the the desire for that yeah I think is good well i think if you if you want vulnerability from a couple you need to probably approach it with vulnerability yeah. Yeah. um and in the same way if you're a couple and you want vulnerability with a single person like you may need to approach them with vulnerability. Hey, here's what we're struggling with, or yeah. here's what we're going through. Totally. Would you come be a part of just our lives? Yeah. And in the yeah. same way on both sides. Yeah. So I guess we're we're gonna gonna come 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 to the end here. And so I guess the final two questions we always want to end with mm-hmm. hope. Um, so say someone's listening to this, um, they're single, whether they're 22 or 42. Um, it's very different questions. They're probably asking yeah. if they're 22 yeah. and 42. But let's say they're under the belief that since they're single. They're either not fully blessed by God, mm. not fully loved by others. Mm. And it's kind of, it's a big kind of identity hit. Yeah. What would be your hope for them? We've talked about a lot of good things, but what would be kind of the hope you'd offer them if you're speaking to them and they're like, Hey, I'm less of a man or I'm less mm. of a woman. I'm mm-hmm. less of a Christian because I haven't gotten this certain gift of marriage that others have. Yeah. Oh man. I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting to ask it with such pathos because I think now I just want to hear more about them and hear oh yeah hear about yeah. their story and kind of what it's been like for them and tell them a little bit about my own and so I mean even just answering on the I'll put your phone number in like the, that's right the that's right eight six seven five three zero nine that's Jenny's number um, uh, I think e- e- but even even through the podcast I think what I would want to say to them is um, I know how deep that loneliness can go mm-hmm. um, and it just sucks and it it can feel like it's swallowing you alive. And I can't tell you how many times I've, usually I go for walks, how many times I've gone for a walk and just feeling like it was all I can do to contain that loneliness within myself. Um, the, the, the two thoughts I have to someone who might be experiencing just that is um, just a real practical one. Um, consider whether that has always been your experience or whether it's intermittent because hmm. um, i'm when i'm in those things i feel like they're permanent and the whole story and even just empirically they're not mm-hmm. they pass um 
But I mean, I think the far bigger thing is the stuff that, you know, you've been talking about already, which is that, um, how much the father loves his children and that he promises that all those who, who forsake things for the gospel's sake and for the kingdom's sake, Mm -hmm. um, they're going to receive what they need and even more, Mm -hmm. um, uh, including family. Um, and that there's a, there's a family. It's not, um, I think people, I think even single people have to have grace with married people. Um, it's not that just by asking for love from a married couple that a person is immediately going to get exactly what they want. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's, we are longing for Jesus's return and that's a real part of this. Um, Mm -hmm. but, uh, this is not a life that is a life that will have to be lived alone. And I'm totally convinced of that. Yeah. Um, that the father loves, loves you and the father can and wants to provide for you. Yeah. I think when I, when I look at Jesus' words talking about, unless you hate your father, mother, sister, brother, Mm -hmm. whatever, and Mm -hmm. come fall after me, I think that can even extend to the idea of fatherhood, motherhood, Mm. um, where it's like, unless you even, Jesus is saying, unless you hate the idea of being a mother, not even the idea of it, but kind of the, the role you would take, you cannot be my disciple. And I think he only, he'd only say that if his way in communion with him and relationship with him was so much greater. Yeah. And so when Jesus says like, I'm going to provide for you and I love you, but he's also saying, Hey, I'm your husband. Like I am your spouse. And like, that's not just this weird symbol we want to give, but what he's trying to say is like, Hey, how intimately you see married couples interact together. I want to be so much even more intimate with you. And one day I will be fully just right now is kind of this, the now and not yet of like, Hey, there's going to be sufferings in this time. There's going to be loneliness regardless of single or marriage, but there is a hope for a greater marriage in mm-hmm. heaven where mm-hmm. all of us are united in intimacy with one another and with him. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what's kept me going, even though I'm only 24. Um, but in those moments where it's just like, I'm lonely. And in those moments you feel like this is like, I've always been lonely. Yeah. <laughs> and oh. so you have to remind mm-hmm. yourself one, that's not the case. I'm going to point to these friendships. I'm going to point to these mm-hmm. things, but mm-hmm. two, I have a greater future promised. Yeah. I have a greater thing that I'm I'm striving after. I'm looking forward, and and Jesus is saying, "Hey, this thing is promised for the future, but you can have some of it now." Yeah, um, and that's yeah. where I think the hope is. You don't have to settle for marriage if you're lonely. He's saying you can have some of that union now with me. Yeah. And so, moving from that, Matt, what would you, kind of your hope be for the church in relating to singles and encouraging singles, and even the idea of singleness, like not mm-hmm. only in how they're going to relate to persons who are single, but in teaching and in yeah. culture. Yeah. Uh, what would be kind of your remake, your reformation? You're a one. So how are you going to reform mm. um, the church's relationship with singleness? Um, I got like a thousand ideas. Um, <laughs> I'll, do, I'll do just a couple. Maybe, maybe just a couple. Just maybe like 300, yeah. 400. I don't know. I, I do think, I mean, I do think probably the biggest programmatic thing I would want to do is just say, um, your family is those who do the will of the Father. That's, mm-hmm. just, that's just what Jesus says. Um, that doesn't mean, you know, that doesn't mean silly things like we don't use the word family for the people who gave birth to mm-hmm. us or the people <laughs> that we give birth to. Or mm-hmm. yeah, Of course, that's your family. And if they want to have like a moms with toddlers group, that doesn't mean that like if you're a spiritual mother with a spiritual toddler, yeah. you have to get that's in. That's right. That's yeah, right. That's we right. can still have our specific groups. Totally. But the truest family, the truest family mm-hmm. is not my biological family. It's those who do the will of the father. 
Mm-hmm. Um, your biological family is only your family and as much as it fits into yeah. the spiritual family. Yeah. Yeah. And you want to even go stronger with it. Yeah. So I, I, I want the church to live as if that were literally true, mm-hmm. that your family, I mean, just, just that Jesus's words were literally true, that your family is those. <laughs> Could you imagine that? Just believe Father. in Jesus's words. I mean, that true. would be nuts. <laughs> it would be absolutely nuts. So here's one, one little practical thing I want the mm-hmm. church to do. Um, in most cases, I would get want to get rid of all um, interest, affinity, or demographic-based small groups. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's a little thing. But um, oh my gosh, um, I do, it, once in a while, sure, get together with a yeah. bunch of people who are just like the mothers with toddlers group. It's like you don't need to meet every week. It's like meet monthly because you want to encourage and inspire and help each other. But it's not yeah. going to be like hey us only exclusive like and, and you can graduate between groups you graduate from high school to young single adults yeah. to maybe like an adults group and then an elderly group yeah yeah um, which is just foolish yeah no it's i I, th- I think we need to be with people who are totally different different from mm-hmm. us and it is a lie that because you don't share my exact life experience you can't with me seek the Lord and you can't speak wisely into my life. No. As if the Holy Spirit only speaks through age groups and rather right, it can right. work across the board. Right. And that's just baloney. And it's, yeah. and it's, you know, you, you don't have to be single to understand singles. You don't have to be married to understand married at least to, you know, 80% of the fundamentals. You know, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, so I would also get rid of, get yeah. rid of that as one very practical mm-hmm. kind of thing. But you know, married person, uh, invite a single person into your life and, keep inviting them in because that's the hardest thing for singles is that people expect us to take the lead Mm -hmm. um, again and again. And that gets tiring. Mm -hmm. Um, That's always the case with groups that are kind of the minority group in a, in a place. I'm, I'm not the minority group in almost any sense, except for that I'm single. Um, but it's always the case. And even then in 10 years, you probably won't be with how we marry them. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's exhausting when black people in a church are asked to, yet again lead a conversation about racial reconciliation it's exhausting <laughs> or, or when women are the ones yeah. who are supposed to talk about gay women christians are the only ones that can like they have to constantly be speaking about homosexuality yeah like yeah. it's the only thing they have to speak in that constant so much effort is poured into one avenue yeah so even just taking the lead to say we want to focus on you married people we we want to we want to see what single folks need and how we can love them better mm-hmm. uh, as brothers and sisters as equals not as children um, but as as equals in Christ and that yeah. was huge. Yeah. Sweet. I agree. <laughs> done and done. Where's right. where's that button? Yeah, uh, there's a button to here. All right. Well thanks, Matt. Appreciate nice, this. Colton. Maybe My we'll pleasure. bring you on again to talk about, you know, if, I don't know, Nazarene churches uh, or something crazy. Good. But yeah, thanks, man. Appreciate thanks. it. We hope that Matt's words gave you a hope in your singleness and a hope in your sexuality beyond what you could have ever imagined. We hope that you can dive into this conversation, dive into these deep ideas, and come out with a fuller understanding about what it means to be fully sexual and fully single. As always, we want to acknowledge that this episode may have triggered you. It may have brought up old sexual abuse. It may have brought up old negative sexual behaviors and may have even stirred up old wounds with all of these things talk to someone you trust about it don't hold these things just to yourself bring people into your life and your sexuality and again if you could leave us a review or share this episode with someone you think it might impact this all greatly helps us 
do what we are trying to do on this podcast, which is bring hope to those who are struggling with their sexuality, who are struggling with their sexual lives, who are struggling with even the idea of what it means to be sexual. Okay, that's it from here, everyone. As always, may the God of hope fill you all with joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound 